This episode of Roadie Radio is brought to you by Ocean State Library's collection of ebooks and audiobooks. With the Free Libby app, you can access tens of thousands of ebooks and audiobooks. Use your library card to download library books directly to your mobile device to read or listen anywhere, anytime. When you borrow ebooks and audiobooks from Libby, there are no fines and nothing is ever overdue. Download the free Libby app today and start reading. You're listening to Roadie Radio, Rhode Island Library Radio Online. Friday and Saturday, July 8th and 9th, people from all over New England will gather at the Pequot Museum in Mashantucket, Connecticut for a bustling live exhibition. The annual Education Powwow, back after a few years suspended during the pandemic. The Pequot Museum's Educational Powwow is a living exhibition showcasing Native American dancers and the significance of this cultural gathering for Indigenous people. Gain a greater understanding and appreciation for the powwow experience and how it helps sustain a sense of community for America's first people. The event is included with regular price admission to the museum, and Rhode Islanders can get a discount by borrowing their local library's museum pass. The Pequot Museum Pass, available at various libraries around the state, offers half price admission for two adults and two children under the age of 18 or one adult and three children under the age of 18. It's usually checked out for a few days before needing to be returned. Museum passes are a great way to explore our area's many amazing offerings while on a budget. This week, Emily from the Roadie Radio team sat down with Nakai Clearwater Northup from the Pequot Museum. They talked all about the museum and what it has to offer and got a sneak peek at the education powwow this coming weekend. Serving as powwow manager, run of show, and all-around hype man, Nakai serves as the head of education at the Mashantucket Pequot Museum, where he spent more than 10 years developing educational programming on Eastern Woodland tribal history and culture for visitors of all ages. Nikai is the vice chair of the tribe's Natural Resources Protection Committee, and he also serves as a board member of the Stonington Historical Society. An avid hunter and fisherman, Nikai is a frequent speaker and lecturer on historic preservation, environmental indigenous activism, food sovereignty, and teaching traditional eastern woodland histories and lifeways. Having both Mashantucket, Pequot, and Narragansett bloodlines, Nakai has spent his entire life on both reservations and is a passionate advocate and activist for Native American rights. With a strong love for his tribal communities and as a father of two beautiful children, Nakai is dedicated to preserving tribal histories and passing down cultural traditions to younger generations.
Hello, Nikai, and thank you so much for joining with me today uh, to talk about the Pequot Museum. Would you like to introduce yourself uh, and your connection to the museum? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Nikai Clearwater Northup. I'm a member of the National Tucker Pequot Tribe and Narragansett Nation, and I am the manager of public programs and outreach here at the Pequot Museum. And, you know, I've been working here for about eight, nine years now and been in the community my entire life. So I've been coming to this museum uh, forever. And for the people who haven't been or are unfamiliar with the museum, um, can you talk a little bit about what your focus is and if they were to visit, what they might expect at a visit? Um, our focus here at the museum is Pequot history, uh, National Tucker Pequot history, but we do cover a wide range of Eastern Woodland communities uh, throughout the Northeast. And we try to be an advocate for all indigenous voices in the world. Uh, but what to expect is roughly 20,000 years of history uh, that we cover working from the last ice age up until the present times. That's incredible. Uh, are there any special exhibits or programming that you have going on right now or this summer? Getting ready to jump into our thematic calendar for the summer. So Wednesdays will be workshop Wednesdays where we'll be each day doing two different programs for the public uh, free with admission. Thursdays will be virtual Thursdays where we'll do different book readings for children and some different virtual programs that we have to offer. Friday will be field trip Fridays, which we will have a layout in our gathering space upstairs at the museum with different interactive tables for uh, everyone to come and enjoy. And then Saturdays will be seasonal Saturdays where we'll either be out taking a hike together or I will be doing cooking demonstrations on our farmstead area outside. And for the hiking tours that you're doing, um, so there's the ones that you lead. Can people come and hike on the grounds on their own time as well, or is it always guided? Uh, no, we have a, a trail that runs behind the museum called the Blue Trail. And uh, it's a marked trail that cuts through some of the reservation land. Also on reservation, a popular hiking trail is Lantern Hill, which is one of the highest uh, peaks in the area. Uh, for your virtual exhibits, uh, can you talk a little bit more about those and how people access those? Uh, for the most part, we're going to be <clears throat> doing it via Zoom uh, for people who will be posting the links on our uh, social media. But we are in the process of having all of our exhibits uh, 3D shot and scanned so that we're going to be able to bring the exhibits to you while you sit at home and you don't have to travel all the way to the museum to come see it. You'll be able to access it via our website and have interactive tours given by the public program. Well, we've asked you here today uh, to talk to specifically about this weekend. You've got coming up the annual educational powwow, which hasn't happened in a couple of years. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what that is, where that's come from, um, how long it's been going on? Absolutely. Um, the education powwow, I always tell people, is like a powwow with captions. It is giving you a rundown of everything that's going on and what to expect when you attend uh, an actual powwow. Like we hold our annual community powwow at the end of August. And at one point it was the largest powwow in the world. Skimitsin, it was the indigenous world championship of song and dance with over 500 nations represented. This powwow is much smaller scale. Uh, we have local dancers from our region and our MCs of the powwow will go through a, a traditional run of show of powwow, but our MCs will do uh, the duties of breaking down each category and what they're representing and how uh, 
their origins started. This event has been going on now for uh, about 15 years, 15, 20 years, I'd say. And uh, we've done single day events. We've done two day events this year. We've brought it back to the two day events and we'll also be showcasing Eastern social songs, songs that are more traditional to our areas and then getting into more of the modern day pow pow style music and dance. And where does it take place? It's going to take place right here at the museum this year. We're going to have it in our gathering space. Uh, so it's going to be an indoor event. We're going to have different vendors uh, from food and arts and crafts. And it is a great space. The space is a big open windowed room. So you'll be able to see outside and see the forest all around you as well. Cool. Do you take a role in the powwow? And what is that like for you? Uh, I help participate with planning the powwow each year uh, and reaching out and trying to source uh, local tribal members to dance and participate in the event. And then this year, I'm also going to be the arena director. So just making sure the run of show is going smooth and uh, each category is coming up in its time and making sure everyone's participating and having a good time. That's pretty much my job. Make sure everyone's having fun. <laughs> Great. It sounds like a great place to be. What's the energy like uh, during the powwow? Uh, it's really hard to hard to match the energy. Um, anytime we have the drums around and you know the people dancing, uh, everything that a powwow truly embodies is you know that feeling that you'll feel when you hear those drums and you'll see people who are dancing and these dancers are telling stories. These dancers are you know dancing as a way to express self. And everyone has their own unique style and own twists that they add to their dances and the songs as well. Uh, different drum groups will have, you know, original songs that they've composed. And so it's just an all around good day. Uh, you'll definitely leave feeling uh, energized and well and hopefully filled with positivity. Uh, what should people know if they attend? Are there any expectations that they should come with? Anything? Uh Anything in particular that you, you kind of like would like people to know who come for the first time? Yeah, uh, first time I would definitely recommend, you know, getting a good seat. Uh, the room does fill up relatively fast. There is enough space to stand around, but we will have bleachers set in the gathering space and come and get a good seat. The events will be going all day long uh, we'll have breaks in between at one section and that's a good time to go around and get food and check out the vendors and things along those lines but we'll have a lot of stuff for the crowd to interact with so anyone who is coming uh, i am going to be walking around and saying come on come join in with us and uh you know it's this is a family owned and operated business uh this institution we thrive on relationships so uh, crowd interaction and, you know, allowing everyone to participate in our events is something that we really enjoy. So speaking of the food and vendors, what is going to be there? Can you give us a sneak peek of any of the food or the, the people that are going to be there? Yeah, um, we have some different uh, tribal um, food stands from different sister tribes, local areas here, which you can most likely expect from these vendors is some seafood for sure um i'd expect there to be some venison and some indian tacos um which is if you haven't had one 
it's it's pretty much chili on top of a, a fry bread, a doughboy, with uh, the fixings for a taco, which is always really delicious. Um, but we'll also have participation from Uncle D's Blazing Barbecue, uh, and we're in the process of trying to get some more food trucks to come as well. What's it like for you putting on this sort of living exhibition uh, as opposed to some of your more still life things at the museum? Um, the thing I love most about it is to show that, you know, our people are still here. We're still practicing and growing and evolving our, our culture and our traditions and our ways of life. Um, a lot of people, when they, you know, envision indigenous people, uh, they think of us in the past. And this is to show that we are a, a modern and contemporary people still today. And, you know, we just honor and practice our traditions. Do you have a favorite moment during the powwow that happens um, or a favorite memory from one in the past? Yeah, favorite moment. I, I really enjoy uh, Eastern War and Northern traditional dances just because those are styles that I've loved since I was a, a young child. Uh, the fancy dance is also uh, one of my favorites because the crowd loves it. Uh, the fancy dance was the origins were created for entertainment. Um, you know, a faster paced dance with lots of tricks and oohs and ahs. So it's fun to see the crowd be involved in that. But I also really enjoy the Eastern social songs and, you know, these traditional songs that our people were singing for a long, long time that, you know, is specific to our region and area because powwow is, it's universal. Uh, there's powwows everywhere. Do people travel for this powwow? Yeah. Yeah, people, uh, we get a pretty uh, large participation from uh, the Northeastern region to come out and participate. Cool. Uh, so there's this one that's coming up uh, this coming weekend in July. And then there's also the powwow in November that you have to honor veterans. So you can talk a little bit about that and how maybe they're similar and how they're different. Yeah. Uh, so the differences right off the bat are the honoring the veterans powwow is a, a full scale powwow where you know you're not going to get the full educational proportion um style and category of dance and you know we're not going to fully break down like each regalia and traditional clothing item but with educational power that's the fine details we're going to be filling in on a lot of that uh a pequot person has participated in every american war up to date um so Indigenous people as a whole, we have strongly fought and honored our veterans, but we also honor all veterans. So this powwow isn't just specific to Indigenous people, it's non-Indigenous as well. And any veteran who wants to come and participate will have a time for you to RSVP, and we will um, give you free admission for you and the guest. And we'll also do a, a feed. We'll make sure you have a meal while you're here. There'll be a special uh intermission where we'll be able to get you a nice meal and then we're also going to gift you with some traditional medicines um, of our people to honor you there'll be a ton of honor songs and veteran songs that we'll sing uh, because those are very common in indian country uh people composing songs for veterans and these honor songs sounds like a really powerful event to be at it's a good one yeah 
So if people would like to attend in, in November uh, but can't make it to the educational powwow in July and they've never been to one before, what might they need to know um, when they go to the one in November? In November, I would uh, I would just try to be a, a fly on the wall. I would try to just really pay attention and just see how everything's going. Uh, we do, of course, add some educational proponent, proponents and um, you will get a good idea of what's going on but just just pay attention and watch because it really is a beautiful experience and uh it's a great event for our veterans is there anything else that you'd like to share about the museum uh your work your research or the powwows that we didn't cover so far yeah um we have we're going on our 25th anniversary next year and we have a large-scale wampum exhibit in the works um, that is really going to embody a ton from, you know, old style wampum belts, uh, pre-contact belts in some cases, and then even covering like the biology and the life cycle of a quahog and covering the shell because of its vast importance to the people here. So that's something to be on the lookout for as well. Uh, another thing, like we mentioned earlier, is the, the virtual programming and uh, viewings of the museum will be increasing. Um, but we're also going to be looking for feedback on what the public would like to see and uh, what are things, ways that we can be allies and ways that we can help um, educate the public. Because that's uh, who we're here for and that's what we're all about, um, is to serve the tribal community and our family and friends. That's what we've added to our mission statement. And, you know, the general public and our, our communities throughout the Northeast are, are our family and friends. When do you expect that the wampum exhibit would would begin? Yeah, the wampum exhibit is going to open next August. Uh, we have a, a Pequot women's exhibit coming um, in the fall of this uh, year, and that will be another interesting one. Currently, we have our basket exhibit running, which is a great exhibit, which we'll have some programming for um, in the near future as well. How can people connect with you online uh, if they can't quite come to the museum or they want to learn a little bit more before they come? Absolutely. Uh, my, my best recommendation is to just go to the PequotMuseum.org, our website. And uh, we have just updated our website. It was a dinosaur. Uh, and we finally uh, brought it at least updated a bit. So it's a lot easier to access and move around and navigate. So um Go on the website, you can get contact numbers there and you can reach out to us. Any questions you might have, uh, we are open and willing to, to field and try to give the best response that we can. Um, so feel free to reach out that way. And also we have tons of information on the website to help answer any questions. Yeah, I will say I when I looked at the website before our conversation, it, there's a lot there to go through and to learn about. The virtual exhibits are really fun to scroll through, uh, really dynamic, uh, and I think it's a beautiful website. So well done to whoever did that. Uh, and the other thing I noticed on the uh, website actually was that you can host events in the Peacock Museum in, in multiple gathering spaces. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What's that like for people? Absolutely. Um, the museum is a very beautiful uh, facility uh, located right on the edge of the Cedar Swamp. It's a beautiful forest behind us. 
uh, and the building offers a lot of beautiful views. We have a, a green top terrace or roof, which we offer a space for rentals, which we've had everything from weddings to baby showers out there. Uh, and then the gathering space, the space where we hold the powwows um, that you'll be able to attend. Um, we host weddings, proms, corporate events. Um, it's, it's been, it's going to be the space for our gala. Um, it's, it's an amazing space. And like I mentioned, it's, it's fully windowed. So you really get that immersive experience with nature. And then we also have a 320 seat auditorium. Uh, and then we have two theaters, 110 seat theaters. Um, also that we rent out and we have a couple of smaller classrooms if you want to do um, any programming. Thank you to the Pequot Museum and Nakai for sharing with us today, including our thematic music, 2014, and Two Beat from Nakai's family's group, We Kozan. Check the show notes for links and more information about the powwow. Rhodey Radio is proud to be a resident partner of the Rhode Island Center for the Book and brought to you by library staff and community members all around the Ocean State. This episode was made possible by an American Rescue Plan Humanities Grants for Libraries, which is an initiative of the American Library Association made possible with funding from the National Endowment for the Humanities through the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. You can find more from Rhodey Radio on Twitter and Facebook. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to Roadie Radio and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to help us reach more Rhode Islanders. <laughs>